Um, why don't we jump into the Word of God today? We're in chapter 4. So why don't you go ahead and turn to chapter 4 of Matthew. Andrew's been opening up this, this gospel of Matthew to us, and really he's, he's titled it uh, The King Jesus Gospel, and I love it because it's so often uh, we summarize the gospel as salvation, and that's kind of the, the main crux of it. And don't get me wrong, it is a huge part of the gospel is salvation, and I thank Jesus that he is my Savior. But he is also Lord, and the King Jesus gospel is such an important part of what we understand as the full good news of Jesus Christ. And so I've appreciated each one of the messages. Last week's was so good. I loved uh, two weeks ago when he, when he unpacked the importance of repentance. If you haven't gone through that one, I think it's just such a key component that we understand the gospel requires repentance. We need to understand the weight of our sin. And then when we do that, we realize the beauty of our Savior and we realize our dedication to our Lord. And so, yeah, that's what we're going to do. We're going to jump into chapter 4. So why don't you turn with me to chapter 4, and I'm just going to read it to you today. Um, starting in, in verse 1, it's the temptation of Jesus. We've, we've probably heard this a time or two, but I believe that God really wants to speak to us today as a church um, about uh, his temptation. So, then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted there by the devil. For 40 days and 40 nights, he fasted and became very hungry. During the time, the devil came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become loaves of bread. But Jesus told him, No, the scripture says people do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city, Jerusalem, to the highest point on the temple, and said, If you are the Son of God, jump off. For the scripture says, he will, order your, he will order his angels to protect you, and they will hold you up with their hands, so you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. Jesus responded, The scriptures also say, You must not test the Lord your God. Next, the devil took him to the highest peak, on a very high mountain, and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. I will give you it all, he said, if you kneel down and worship me. I love this response. Get out of here, Satan, Jesus told him. For the scripture said, you must worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil went away and angels came and took care of Jesus. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we love you. It's so easy for us to just rush in and receive information. But what we want, Lord God, is not just to be puffed up by knowledge. We want to be transformed by your truth. So as we unpack your word, shape us, mold us, form us into the image of Christ. We love you. Amen. When we're reading the Gospels, particularly the temptation of Jesus, it's, it's really important that we, we understand something. We understand that the main character of the Gospels is Jesus. In this individualistic culture, it's so easy for us to think that things are about 
us, me. Man, as a, as a youngest child, growing up with two older sisters and a mom and, and them in the house, I was kind of just spoiled. So it's very easy for me to focus on myself to make believe that everything revolves around me. And so when I read the Gospels, I can read it like it's, it's about me. But we have to be careful that we don't do that. Because it, the Gospels are for me, they're for you, they're for us, but they're about Jesus. And so that's really where we begin when we come to the Gospels. When we come to Scripture, we realize that all of Scripture is pointing to the main character, Jesus Christ. And we benefit from this story. We are part of this story, but we are not the main characters. And so really, I want us to look at this story and learn two things, okay? First is this. Jesus is victor. This story highlights something. Often we jump right to my second point, and we look at what Jesus can teach us like we're the main characters, but we're not. Jesus is, and Matthew is writing the gospel of Jesus. He's writing it about Jesus Christ, and he's pointing out something. He's pointing out to us, the reader, that Jesus is the Messiah, and he is victor. He's the one who conquers. And often when we think of Jesus as the, the victor or the winner or the one who's victorious, we think of him now, seated on the throne or in the resurrection. But actually, throughout the whole story, Matthew's trying to point out something. He's trying to say, no, no, no. From the moment it starts, Jesus is victor. And this is what this story is saying. He comes head to head with the devil and he wins. In humanity, he comes and he wins. Where Adam fails, Jesus succeeds. This is what Matthew's trying to teach us as well, is that Jesus is a better Adam. Jesus is a better Moses. Jesus is a better Israel. He's contrasting these things. This is why it's so important that we connect these two. The baptism right before in chapter 3 and the temptation. They're connected because they actually, they, they kind of show us the picture of Israel. Went through the, the Red Sea into the wilderness. Now Jesus goes into the baptism and he comes out and goes into the wilderness Jesus is a better Israel. Where they failed in the wilderness, didn't trust God, Jesus does. Where Adam is tempted at the hands of the devil, he fails, but Jesus, he succeeds. So when we're reading this, the first thing we need to see is that we serve a Jesus who is victor. He is victorious before he even starts his ministry and shows that he has power over the, the kingdom of darkness. And why does this matter? Why is this important? Here's why. Because you and I, we fail miserably at temptations. I don't know if, if this season has done this to you, but it has really challenged me. I feel a pressing on my life, and there are ways that I have failed. Man, it's so apparent in our culture 
that temptations and trials all around us and we are failing as a people. But the good news is that it's not based on your success or my success. The success that believers have is found in Christ alone. And so we serve a Jesus who never sinned and who is always Jesus the victor. And so we can actually stand in him as victorious ones. This is good news. I hope that you hear me say this. You can be victorious even in your defeat. This is the beauty of the cross. You may feel overwhelmed and as a failure, but Jesus holds you and he is victor. And in him, you can find the victorious life that you've been longing for. This is the good news of the gospel. And so we start there, realizing that Matthew's telling us a story about Jesus. And then we move and realize what can Jesus' model teach us. And this is the second thing. This is a blueprint for us. We are all facing temptations. Some of us doing better than others. And the truth is, in some regard, we are all failing. We are all human and our flesh cries out. And often, we fail. And in that failure, what do we do? My hope is that we run to the victor. But he gives us this blueprint. So point two, the blueprint for overcoming temptation. I want to say something really quick too. Temptation is not sin. If you are tempted, it's not the same as sinning. You have not failed. Being tempted is part of being human. Jesus is tempted, but he does not give in. This is so important. Temptation is not sin. So if you feel tempted, you don't have to succumb to that as if you've already sinned. You actually can walk in the steps of Jesus and become victorious over sin, over temptation. So let's figure out exactly what the blueprints are. So there's four things I want to talk about. First is this. It's tied in, remember I said it's connected to chapter 3, the baptism. So in chapter 3, verse 16 and 17, this is what it says. After his baptism, Jesus came up out of the water, the heavens opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and settling on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my dearly loved Son who brings me great joy. This is an incredible moment in Jesus' life. This is where God really affirms who Jesus is. And this is the first point of the blueprint he shows us. Jesus knows who he is. He knows exactly who he is because he's just had this incredible moment with God where he, he encouraged and affirmed who he was. So let me ask this. Do you know who you are in Christ? Do you know who you are in Christ? Because I would say a lot of our um, succumbing to temptation and sin is because we don't know who we are in Christ. The enemy 
he goes so hard after us in regards to our identity, and when we don't know who we are, that's when we fall into sin. We go into all these other things to find our purpose and our meaning, and we begin to fall into sin because we were tempted, but we didn't have the the foundation of our identity built on Christ, so then we fall into sin and we succumb to the temptation. And so I want to invite you, if you don't know your identity in Christ, start at Ephesians 1 through 3. Those chapters, Paul is writing us to Christians, explaining what Christ has done and who we are in Christ. So often, we look for other things to define us. We look for the performance. We look for relationship. We look for money, status, all these things to come in and inform who we are when actually Christ wants to tell us who we are because of what he's done. It's a gift to us. We are actually solidly built on the rock of Christ from the work that he's done in our lives. And when we start at that place, we're able to stand up to so many more temptations. But when our identity is so broken and we actually don't know if God loves us, if we're chosen, if we, we don't know who we are in Christ, all these things begin to, um, we get deceived. We get deceived by the enemy and we fall into these places where we begin to look for other things to give us identity. The problems with other things defining us are other things always change. Where Jesus is always the same. He never changes. On my bad day, he's the same. On my good day, he's the same. And so it's so important for us to build our identity on it. Interestingly though, Jesus never refers to what just happened to him. Because that's what I would have done, right? Devil would have come to me to tempt me and I would have said, are you crazy? I just saw the Holy Spirit fall on me like a dove and I just heard the words of my Father speak over me. You're not going to be able to tempt me. You get out of here. This is, this is nonsense. But Jesus doesn't do that. And so you might think, well, then it's insignificant. Why are you saying something? Because I don't think it's insignificant. I think it's the bedrock of where he comes from. He understands the identity and then he goes from there. And so for us, we need to begin with our identity. Do you know who you are in Christ? And if you don't, please look at Ephesians 1 through 3. I challenge you for this whole week, go to it. Just read it. Highlight every time it says in Christ. And it, it will show you who you are, who I am. And when I understand who I am, man, it makes me so much more secure and I don't need everything else to inform me. Number two. He is led by the Spirit. Matthew 4, 1 says this. Then Jesus led by the Spirit. Sorry. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. This is so important. Jesus is led by the Spirit, meaning he is in the will of God. Do you know that the will of God can take you to a place where temptation happens? Yes, throughout Scripture. He takes you to a place. He can take you to the wilderness, Israel, where 
trials and temptation come from. This North American gospel that says, once you follow God, the Spirit of God will only lead you into blessing and benefit. That's not what the scriptures say. Blessings and benefits come out of trials, come from temptation and overcoming temptation. When we overcome temptation, there is fruit there. Jesus wants to use these things. I used to think that all of these negative things, that they were always the enemy trying to break me down. But what I realized is sometimes they're a gift from the Lord. They make me run to him. In this season of COVID, I could look at it as the enemy sending this to me and all of this nonsense I could, I could try to label. But what I, could, I can see is this. God can use this and lead me in this because he can bring about fruit in a wilderness. He can bring about fruit in a wilderness. You need to hear this. He can bring about victory in a wilderness. If you feel like you're in a wilderness and you feel alone, know that the Lord went into a wilderness. He overcame in the wilderness because he was led by the Spirit. Let me ask this question. Are you led by the Spirit? Ask yourself, do you know where you are is where God wants you to be because you've been led by the Spirit? I would say most of the time, if you're like me, here's what we do. I make a decision and then I, I bring along my friend Jesus to help me. That's backwards. We must follow the example of Jesus who was led into the wilderness to fast for 40 days and 40 nights. Yeah, that's hard. Sometimes the Spirit brings us to hard things, right? I want him to bring me to Florida to a resort center, and that's where he works. But often he brings us into a wilderness where he can work on us and produce the fruit that he wants to do. Here's what Paul writes us in Galatians 5, 16, and 25. That whole section is so great, but I'm going to highlight those two verses. He says this, Paul writes, So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of your flesh. Are you being overcome by temptation? The flesh, sin. It's because we are not led by the Spirit. We need to be submitted to the Spirit of God. When was the last time you woke up and just said, Holy Spirit, guide me today? Man, I haven't prayed that prayer for so long. I act so much, like I said, where I make decisions, I wake up, I start my day, and I say, come along. Why don't we reverse it and wake up and say, Spirit of God, lead me today in my ordinary, routine day. Verse 25 says this, Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. I love that imagery, that in step and the picture there is like a military in step walking together. Have you ever seen the military walking in cadence? It's beautiful. It's so robotic. That is what we're being invited to. Can you imagine your life? What would your life look like if you could be in that cadence with the Spirit of God? Here's why it's important that we're led by the Spirit of God. If we are led by the Spirit of God and we are in a wilderness where temptation comes and trial comes, we can know that we're in the will of God and he hasn't abandoned us. How many times I make a decision and then I question if God is with me because I just made the decision and I feel alone. 
But here we have the example of Jesus knows he's in the will of God and he is tempted and he is tried, but he knows and holds to the fact that the Spirit of God led him there. And we see that he is victorious. And we can follow that example. When we, are, when we are led by the Spirit, we can know that we actually have the ability to overcome what, what trial comes our way, what temptation comes our way, because the Spirit of God is with us, empowering us. Number three, spiritual disciplines. Now, man, this word has been, has been trying me for so many years. I remember being in Bible college and them teaching the spiritual disciplines. Uh, we got given a great book called The Celebration of Disciplines. And the book read really well. And it sounded like, yes, if you do the spiritual disciplines, oh, there's fruit in it. But here's the problem. I'm lazy. <laughs> like waking up at whatever time, 5.30, 6 o'clock, uh, whatever is the time, it, 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 it's hard, right? I don't want to get out of bed. The comforter is, it feels so good. And I just want to stay in bed. Spiritual disciplines of prayer and study. You know what I love to do? I love to talk. Do you know me? <laughs> I love talking. Being silent? Oh, man. Sitting with a book alone? Talking? Not talking, I mean? And reading? That's it. I just change it into like, oh, it's talking time. No, just sitting there reading. Spiritual disciplines are hard, but we see Jesus doing something, and in doing the spiritual disciplines, we see fruit from it. He overcomes the temptation, and I believe spiritual disciplines is a key component of that. So he goes into the wilderness, led by the Spirit, and it says this. It says that he fasted for 40 days and 40 nights. That is a lot of work. And you got to remember too, right? Like he's not in the environments. When we fast, we fast in our air-conditioned homes, in our heated homes, in our, our environments that, you know, we can do broths and uh, some things that make fasting a little bit easier. Um, but he's in the wilderness by himself. The elements are just there. It is hot during the day, cold during the night, and he is doing that 40 days and 40 nights. And it says at this time, that's when the enemy comes and tempts him. Do you know why fasting is important? It's not a diet. A diet is you just take something out to hope that you lose weight. What we're doing in this is we are taking something away that we depend on food, and we are placing our dependence upon the Lord. This is why he says this in verse 4. People do not live by bread alone. This is not an idea to him. He is living this. But by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Wow. This is not just some idea. He's actually living this out. He is, he is fasting. And then this idea of like he's just fasting, where he's depending on the Lord. He was just sitting there by himself, not eating for 40 days. No, no, he's obviously fasting and prayer. Fasting and prayer are, are together. They work together. And so for this one, we understand that he had a practice um, in Mark 1, 35. It talks about him going to a solitary place and praying. He has this practice of praying. And so when he's fasting, he's not just taking away food. He's putting in time with the Lord. He's or sorry, time with God the Father. 
And he's spending time with God the Father. He's praying about the ministry that he's walking into. He is doing 40 days and 40 nights of taking away his dependence upon food, putting his dependence upon the Lord, and talking with him, communing with him, so that he is prepared to do what the Lord has called him to. Then he also studies. You see this, this idea of the word of God. You know, you see him respond to the enemy. Three times he uses the word of God. He didn't, again, he wasn't like the toddler who said, hey, my dad said this. He wasn't like, hey, my dad said I'm, I'm the chosen one, so leave me alone. No, no, no. He actually goes back to scripture and he says this, and it shuts the mouth of the enemy. See, my question to us is this. Do we actually practice the spiritual disciplines? If I look at my life, I don't practice them with that kind of dependence. I don't look at them the way I look at food. <laughs> I love food. It sustains me. I just have a love for it. Even if it, I'm not hungry, I'll just eat because it's so good. The truth is we have to be like that with the spiritual disciplines. See, the... The important thing we understand about the spiritual disciplines is this, is it's a sign of our death to self. You may say, this is so hard for me. It feels like I'm dying. Yes, that's the point. Spiritual disciplines is to tell our flesh that you are not in control anymore. Yeah, Alex, you want to talk, but what you need to do is shut your mouth and sit in front of the word of God and let it form you. Because what you say in yourself is hurtful, but what Christ does in you is beneficial to all. Right? When we fast, we, let me tell you, Jesus is showing us unequivocally that fasting is a key component to a healthy lifestyle or spiritual lifestyle. You must fast. It's an invitation. It's not a demand. It's not a command. He's not telling you you're terrible if you don't. But he's saying, if you want to overcome like me, you will fast. Because here's what you'll do. You'll take out your dependence on, on food and you'll put on your dependence on the Lord. This is what we need. I need it. You need it. We need to be dependent upon the Lord like we're dependent on air, like we're dependent on food, on liquid, that we would be hungry for the Lord the way we hunger for food. My kids can't go an hour without eating. Let's, let us not go an hour without spending time with the Lord or being in his word. Man, that would be so good. Lastly, he does this. He shows us and models us a dependence upon the Lord. I just read this verse, but I really want us to get it. His fasting is his faith in action. It is saying this, people do not live on bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Remember, the children of Israel are in the wilderness. They are hungry. They are tired. And here's what they do. They complain and say, God has left us. We should have stayed in Egypt. This is terrible. Jesus does the opposite. He is a better Israel. He is the one we must model after. He says this, man does not live by bread alone. Man does not live by bread alone. He trusts 
in the Father. We need to get to the place where we depend on God like that, where we actually place our faith and our dependence, our trust on Jesus the same way Jesus depended upon the Father. Look at these verses with me. John 5, 19. Actually, let's turn together. I know it takes a minute, but let's go there. John 5, 19. Because I think it's so important. He says this in John 5, 19. Jesus explained, I tell you the truth. The Son can do nothing by himself. He does only what he sees the Father doing. Whatever the Father does, the Son does. Man, what an example. Does Jesus have to do that? Isn't he fully God and fully man? If anyone didn't have to do it, it would be Jesus. But he says, I am so dependent upon the Father. You want to overcome temptation. You want to be able to stand in the middle of a trial, in the middle of a wilderness, with the voice of the enemy coming against you and stand strong. We need to depend on Jesus the way Jesus depended upon the Father. How do we do that? Well, he gives us a hint. Let's go into John 15. One of my favorite passages. I don't do it well, but I I try to just get in the word every time and remind myself that this is the invitation of the Lord and I pray that I would live it. He says this, uh, John 15, verse four and five. Remain in me and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine and you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. Apart from me, you can accomplish nothing. Man, this is the secret. It's not a secret. Jesus says, abide in me, remain in me. Like a branch connected to the vine, we must stay in him. Rest in him. This is good news because if you've listened to all of this, it sounds like this. Try harder, Christian. You're failing because you're not good enough. That's not the truth. That's not what I'm saying. All of those things are about dependence upon Jesus. Spiritual disciplines are death to myself, dependence upon the Lord. This is where we have to get, where we would pick up our cross, we would die to ourselves. We would follow Christ. I invite you right now just to bow your heads and close your eyes. Let's end like this. Jesus, help us have eyes to see you as the victorious one. We don't overcome trials and temptation by gritting it out. We come to you and you strengthen us. Jesus, your example, your blueprint is so clear to us. I pray right now that you would highlight it in their hearts. Right now, just ask Holy Spirit, Ask him to just say, which one of the things that that Alex highlighted do I need to focus on? Do I need to learn to depend on you more? Do I need to learn to actually walk out the spiritual disciplines? Do I need to discipline myself, let my flesh cry out, but do what I need to do to get near you so I can overcome temptation? I ask the Holy Spirit would just lead you and guide you. 
that you would know who you are in him. Maybe for you, your identity, you're rooted in so many other things. I pray that Jesus would show you as you read Ephesians 1 to 3. Lord God, let your word transform us. We love you so much. Amen. Thanks so much for coming to church today. Let's continue to pursue God. We are in a season of of wilderness, but I believe that God wants to use us and he can do great things and teach us as we follow him to overcome temptation and see the fruit in the wilderness. Amen? Thanks so much for being at church today.